This is our last lecture in our Hosea study, and I hope everyone got a handout. Would you turn it over to the back of it? And I just want to point out a few things. On the bottom, for further reading, there is this book, The Love Languages of God, which is a takeoff of the five love languages, which there's like, I don't know, at least a dozen takeoffs on. This was the original book. So I have this one here tonight, the original. If anyone has never read it and would like to take this copy, I would love to give it to you. So after it's over this evening, um, please feel free to come and get this one. That's the first book. The other book on there is Redeeming Love. This one I cannot give you because my girls would shoot me dead. It is my favorite fiction book in the whole world, and I read at least a book a week. Um, and it is based on the book of Hosea, and it would be a perfect time to read it after you have studied the Word of God, the book of Hosea. Um, it's set back in the Old West days, um, and just an excellent, excellent read. So can't recommend this one enough to you. It is in our church library, I am sure. Okay? All right. And some, Michelle was telling me, I recommended this yesterday morning. Someone checked it out. Someone got the book yesterday and brought it back today. They read it in one day. It's that good. So if you do, don't pick it up when you don't have time to read, because it will be very hard to put down. And I will tell you, the beginning is, is rough. It's difficult to get through. My sister called with not loving words for me uh, for having her read this because she likes to just read happy books and um, happy endings. And, uh, and the first part is difficult. As a matter of fact, Tindo wouldn't even publish this. It was sent back to Francine Rivers for multiple reviews, and they could not come to terms on what needed to be scaled down in the book. Multnema published it. I'm so thankful. Um, and Tinto publishes all her other ones. But excellent, excellent, excellent book. All right? And then the two songs down there. The Love of God, that's an old hymn that, again, just for further listening this week or this month or any time. And then if you're not a hymn person and you like the more current choruses, the Live Like You're Loved is on the bottom there, and both of them are on YouTube, and the links are there for you, okay? All right, Saturday, April 8th, that was one and a half weeks ago, we got a call, Ken answered the phone, and I only heard one side of the conversation, and it went something like this, hello, yes, this is Ken, wonderful, good, good. Wonderful. Thank you for calling. Wonderful. You're welcome. Wonderful. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, I'm sitting there, I'm like, who was that? And he said, I met a man from Nigeria. I'll finish that story at the end. All right. <laughs> Uh, that'll make you not leave early. Uh, I do want to pray together. Father, thank you so much for your amazing, scandalous love for us. So wide, so long, so deep, so high. Please just give us a glimpse of you this evening. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. 
So many of you have probably heard of the five love languages. Can I see your hands? Yes. Is that every, wait, do it again. Is that everybody in the room? Excellent. Okay, have you heard of it? The five love languages? Yes. I can fly through the beginning part. Um, I'll still, for those of you listening at home, um, I'll still do a little bit of it. But the book came out so long ago. Um, and like any good book, when it comes out, the publisher will do will ask for extensions of it. And so this is just a few of the extensions. There's many more than this. The most recent, in case you don't know, is the uh, Alzheimer's book. That one is the newest one on the market. Interestingly enough, there is no love language for women. There's a men's edition, singles edition, military emphasis. There's none for women. I think the reason why is because the original one was written with the intent that women will be the ones who read this. Um, So we don't have a book of our own, but we all have something in common here. Besides that we are all females, we have this love of God that just showers us, blankets us, just overwhelms us when we come to understand it more. Scripture says we'll never fully understand it, right? But it's so fun to try. So that's what I want to do tonight. I'm still surprised when I'm asked to speak on this because I feel like everybody's heard of it. But I've already spoken on this two times this year, the five love languages in different churches. But typically it's to a group of women and it's either the focus is on loving your husband and or loving your children. So tonight I'm so glad you have the foundation of the five love languages. Again, we'll just review them briefly. But I want the emphasis not to be on what's my love language, what's my friend's love language, what's my husband's love, what's my children. No. We are going to take a whole different view and look at how God loves us in each of the five love languages. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. So let's jump in. Just three quick premises as a jogger to your mind. The first, each of us has a primary love language. Uh, There's also a secondary one for most of us, and and you can typically discover a love language of another person when they're the age of five, okay? The next, relationships. Relationships are greatly enhanced when we learn to speak the other person's love language, and therein you have the basic problem and why the book does so well. Why? Because when I want to tell you I love you, I use my language. Well, that works great if that's your language. But if it doesn't, then I'm not actually communicating love. So that's the point of the book, and which brings us to the third premise, fluency. That's why we're all to be fluent in all of the love languages, because of the myriad of people God will bring into our lives, right? So a quick example of this, there are five people in my immediate, my, me, my husband, and I have three children. Five people, we have four of the love, love languages. So this is why you want to... Not just understand yours. You, of all of them, you really don't even need to understand yours. Hello, that's what you speak, right? So what you really need to do is focus on the other four, okay? All right, so that's the premise behind it. Let's jump in First John three eighteen with some scripture. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So these are the five love languages. They start with saying, so with words, and then all the other four have to do with doing. So the one that has to do with saying is words of affirmation, 
And then the other four you can see there in no particular order, physical touch, quality time, acts of service, and gifts. So let's jump into words of affirmation. Again, the basics on this love language, the words can be spoken or written. They can be sung. They can be words of affection, endearment, praise, encouragement, guidance. The affirmation may focus upon a person's behavior, their physical appearance, their personality. So now let's go to God's loving words of affirmation. How does he love us with this love language? First of all, the obvious, the Bible. God loves us with his word. Now the Bible is full of this, and all of these references are on your handout, so I'm just going to give you a brief overview of what they say. That Old Testament passage, Exodus 19:5, calls us his special treasure. 1 John 3, 1, we're called his children. Ephesians 2, 10, he says we're actually his masterpiece. In Romans 8, 17, he calls us his children again and then goes further to say we are joint heirs with Christ. And I could go on and on, but his word is full of his love for us. Words of affirmation to us. Jesus is also... God's word to us. John 1.14 says, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. Scripture tells us that very clearly. And actually, if you want one example of Jesus using words of affirmation, Matthew 11, 2 through 11 to set the scene of this, John the Baptist is in a really bad way. He's in prison and about to be beheaded. And John sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the real deal, basically? And Jesus not only takes the time to answer the questions to the disciples, knowing they're going to go back and give the answer to John, but Jesus takes the time to praise John the Baptist, to give him words of encouragement in front of a crowd, about John the Baptist. So that's a, that's a beautiful passage. Again, Matthew 11, 2 through 11. And the third way he loves us with this particular language is the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us, And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit. Using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. Then look at the John 16 passage and listen for all the verbs that have to do with talking or speaking. Okay? There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit, this is Jesus speaking, by the way, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Did you hear it over and over again? Yes. Question for you. What is the typical response whenever someone says, I love you? I love you too, right? Anything else is really awkward. I mean, even the most polite, thank you. Somebody says, I love you. Thank you. That, right? That's not how it works, right? So my response then to God's I love you with words of affirmation is I love you too. 
Listen to these three scriptures from Psalm. Psalm 34, I will praise the Lord at all times. I'll constantly speak his praises. I'll boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Psalm 145, I will praise the Lord. And may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. And then Psalm 146, praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Did you hear it? With praises, boasting, telling of his greatness, exalting his name, alone and together, with other believers and everyone else on earth, with all that I am, for as long as I live, with my dying breath, and this will go on for all eternity, scripture tells us. So my response is to God, I love you, but my response is also to others, as I love God and love others. So whether my love language is words of affirmation or not doesn't matter. I am told what my words are to be. Ephesians 4, 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So my words are to be good and helpful, encouraging, words of affirmation, loving words. Physical touch. Let's move on to that one. This is the easiest to use unconditionally, really, because we need no special occasion for which to use it, right? So think broad here. So a kiss, a hug, a pat, a rub, a squeeze, a high five, knuckles. You got it? So God's loving physical touch. How does he love us that way? Jesus, again, that John 1.14 passage, we already looked at it. God became a physical being that can touch and be touched. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ, right? So a few, on your handout there, a few references. The Mark 10, 13 through 16 passage, that's remember the disciples are kind of acting like Jesus' bodyguards or telling the mama, stay away with the babies. And Jesus says, no, you let the children come. And then it says, then he took the children in his arms and placed his head, heads on their heads and blessed them. You see the physical touch there. Jesus heals mothers, Peter in law, uh, Peter's mother-in-law in the Matthew 8 passage. Love this. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. You can tell that wasn't a man that died, right? I mean, that was sick, right? The woman, get up and get me on the man. I need to rest a little bit or cough the fever. In the Matthew 9 passage, Jesus heals two blind men by touching their eyes. In the Luke 7 passage, Jesus actually raises a widow's son. He's already dead, and he does it by touching the coffin, so not even the person. He touches the coffin. Now, I can't just pass by this. Did Jesus need to touch to heal? No. We know absolutely he does not, because we're told of at least one instance where he doesn't touch to heal at all. He's not even there. That's the passage in Luke 7 there on your handout, 1 through 10. And he heals a Roman officer's servant from afar. Okay, so let's keep going. Uh, Luke 8 passage on your hand out there. That uh, is the, the example of Jesus was also sensitive to touch himself. This is the story of when he's in the big crowd and the bleeding woman touches him. And he says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, are you kidding me? Everybody's touching you, right? And then let's get to our response. 
When I thought about this, I'm like, wow, Lord, what is my response to that? Because he's not here anymore, right? We just celebrate. He's definitely alive. We just celebrated Easter, right? He died for real, and he rose again. But scripture tells us he ascended into heaven, and he's with the Father right now, up there, actually interceding for us, pleading for us. So how do I love him with physical touch here on earth? And I could not stop thinking about the scripture in the gospel in Matthew, Matthew 25. By the way, uh, this is Jesus speaking, and to put it in context, he's actually talking about the judgment, all right? But this is Jesus' words. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? Where did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. We'll come back to this scripture when we talk of acts of service too, okay? The next love language, quality time. Quality time, focused attention, undivided attention, the present of the presence. It conveys the message, you are important. I like spending time with you. So how does God love us with quality time? Well, let's go to the Old Testament first and just start out with Adam and Eve. What a beautiful picture of in the Garden of Eden, God walking with them and talking with them in the garden, spending quality time with them. And then Abraham, the father of our faith, he's called the friend of God. And scripture records multiple times where God spoke personally with Abraham. And the psalmist repetitively speaks of God's love for his creatures and God's desire to actually draw close to us. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. And then the last Old Testament example we'll look at today is Isaiah. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. That would be words of affirmation, by the way. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. What is that? Physical presence, right? Quality time. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Now, should we think that this is only the God in the Old Testament? Let's go to the New Testament. And the first example has got to be Jesus again. Think of all the time Jesus spent with the 12 disciples while he was on the earth. And then when Jesus physically left the disciples, what did he do? What did he make sure the disciples had when he left? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because he knew the importance of his presence with us. He knew that. Matthew 28. This is Jesus speaking in both of these passages. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. John 14, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So my response, well, I want to spend quality time 
with him. We already looked at the Psalm 145 passage. James 4, 8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. So I have to ask myself, how do I do this practically? How do I spend quality time with God? Think spiritual disciplines. How do you spend quality time with God? I'll wait you out. I teach college. I can stare you down. Prayer. That's one way, right? That we spend, we actually go into the very presence of God when we pray. What's another one? Reading the Word. Reading His Word, yes. He's speaking to us through His Word, and then we take it in and spend time with Him, meditating on it, thinking about it through our day, memorizing it. What a gift, the gift of His Word, and to spend time with Him in it. All right, and we could go on on those, but let's keep moving to acts of service is our next love language. The very definition of this one, if you don't think of God, well, you're just really tired after your long day of work. Internally motivated desire to give one's energy to others. It's exactly what God does for us. This, the, the man, you know, man to man, uh, it's, you can think of the saying, actions speak louder than words. That's what this one really means. Um, actions speak louder than words. So the person who speaks this love language is always looking for things he can do for others. Basically doing for others because you love them out of the motivation of love. Okay, God's loving acts of service. Let's look at some of those. Only one from the Old Testament. Now those of you who um, are attenders here at First Baptist Church of Geneva, we've been studying the Exodus and reading through that. And that's such a beautiful example of God's act of service on behalf of the Israelites to free them. And then all the things he did along the way, you know, parting the Red Sea, giving them water, manna, quail. It's such an important act of God, so central to Jewish thought, that the Jewish people have been celebrating this for over 3,500 years. And they even came up with a name for God, Elohim which means the all-powerful one, the one who acts in power. In the New Testament, I can think of no better example than Jesus' life and death. Luke 19.10 and Mark 10 are both Jesus' words. For the Son of Man came to seek and save. Those are two verbs, two actions. This is his actual purpose for coming to earth, was to do a loving act of service on our behalf. Those who are lost. And then Mark 10. For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Romans 5 explains how God showed his great love for us by sending Jesus to die. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. That last verse, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, do you remember on, uh, during the Holy Week, that last night that he was with the disciples, what act of service did Jesus do for them? He washed their feet. And then what did he say after that? Go and do likewise, right? Jesus on servanthood, the two references there on your handout, Luke 22 and Matthew 20, you get a real good feel for what Jesus thinks of us doing acts of service for one another. In the Mark 14 passage, that is just an example of Jesus receiving an act of service. That's when the lady comes and anoints him with the expensive 
perfume. So God's loving acts of service through God, through Jesus, and then through the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to all these verbs. Again, these are on your handout. So these, anytime it's a verb, this is an act of service, all right? So in the John 14, 17 passage, it says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So he leads us. John 16, 13 says, He will guide you into all truth. John 14, 26 says, He will teach you everything and we will remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus speaking. 1 Corinthians 2 says that the Holy Spirit shows us God's deep secrets. Romans 8 says that he prays for us and helps us in our weakness and pleads for us believers. 1 Corinthians 12 says that it's the Holy Spirit who gifts us. So my response, how does this work? How do I say I love you to God when he is no longer here on earth for me to serve? And again, I bring you back to that Matthew 25 passage that we looked at, right? Where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So as I love others by serving others, I am loving God. Mother Teresa put it this way. Jesus is the one we take care of, visit, clothe, feed, and comfort. Every time we do this for the poorest of the poor, to the sick, to the dying, to the lepers, and to the ones who suffer from AIDS, we should not serve the poor like they were Jesus. We should serve the poor because they are Jesus. So my response then, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Listen for the loophole in this, okay? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Did you hear a loophole? There is none. What does it say? In everything I do. Now think about the opportunity God has given us here. I am to imitate God in everything I do. So all of my acts, all of my acts of service, can actually be my love language back to God, saying, I love God. <clears throat> of course, you'd have to look at my motive, right? Am I motivated by love, etc.? But what an opportunity he's given us. That's awesome. Everything I do. The last love language is gifts. This extends to later years, not just at the moment when the gift is given, but it can continue to speak love long into the future for the, those who this is their love language. It is a universal phenomenon. In other words, this isn't just America, right? Gifts are given all over the world. And then the word actually comes from the Greek word cheris, which means grace, which think about it logically. That's what a gift is, right? Because if I give you something because you did something for me, then that's not a gift. That's payment, right? So gift, a gift is undeserved. It is grace, right? Okay, so God's loving gifts. I couldn't really even begin to list you all the gifts that God gives. I guess I could begin. I could say, Jesus, he's a really great one to start. Scripture tells us the gift to marvelous for words, and it's speaking of Jesus, but so much more. Forgiveness. Tell me some other gifts God gives us. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. What else? Mercy. Mercy. Peace. Hope. Hope. So many things. We really could go on and on. 
with the gifts that God gives us. God's very motivation in giving the greatest gift, Jesus. Don't miss this in such a familiar passage. I used a different translation here than what probably most of us have memorized it in. John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. Wow, you can't get much plainer than that. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. On your handout, Romans 8.32 says, Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? The James 1.17 passage tells us that whatever is good and perfect comes from him. Listen to these verses from Romans 5 and see how many times you hear the word or read the word gift. But there's a, different, a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live and triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. How many times did you hear the word gift? Five. Five times. Good counting. And then if we look a little closer, look at the descriptors. The descriptors here, God's gracious gift, God's wonderful grace, gift of forgiveness, gracious gift, free gift, being made right with God, God's wonderful grace, gift of righteousness, live in triumph over sin and death. So how God gives is a model for me, how I am to give, generous, gracious, free. God's loving gifts beside Jesus, the Holy Spirit. The John 14 passage we already read tells us that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. In 1 Corinthians, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is the giver of our spiritual gifts. With all of God's loving gifts, what can possibly be my response to a God who needs nothing? You, you get that, right? God needs nothing. So what can I give you? My response, how do I love him back? He gave his son's life for me. He died for me so I can live for him. That is the only thing I can give him is my life. We typically start this passage, you've heard that phrase, living in holy sacrifice. Uh, that came to mind as I was writing this, so I looked it up to put it in my notes and noticed for the first time that that verse begins, and so dear brothers. I'm like, well, let's just back that up then. What comes before that? Because that's the beginning of a chapter. That's chapter 12, verse 1. So that's what we've probably all memorized. And so, dear brothers, present your bodies loving and holy sacrifice. Blah, 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 blah. Right? So I'm like, well, what comes before that? You know, before there were chapters and verses, it was all one thing. So let's just back up to right before the verse we probably memorized. Romans 11, starting um, in verse 35. And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And so, dear brothers and sisters, do you see it? 
It is because he has given us everything and needs absolutely nothing. And so, dear brothers, all we can do is give him our lives. You see? And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So I love God with all that I am, and I love others. God is the hero. In the book of Hosea, Hosea is not the hero. God is Hosea's hero. God is Gomer's hero. We met so many characters. Do you remember the dad's name? Dibloim or something like that. It starts with a D, two syllables, a B's in the middle. I don't know. You will never probably need to know that. And you certainly don't need to know the three kids' names. None of you are going to name your kids that. But for them, God is their hero. And God is my hero. And God is your hero. How do we love him back? 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Wow, it's proof, right? But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So see, when I love God, it is in response to God's love for me. Lest we think we started anything here, right? So he loves us. In all five languages, because God is love. Romans 8 tells us nothing will separate us from God's love. God loves you perfectly. Look back at what you wrote in your blanks. What do you notice in your blanks? God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That's a trinity. Is that not beautiful? I didn't even realize that. Until I got finished with the lecture, writing the notes, I'm like, oh my goodness. He, I've got goosebumps. He loves us with all that he is. You see, so when he tells us to love him with all that we are, with our mind, our body, our, our strength, our, you know that verse. Actually, it's in the Bible several times and adds a, a little different twist in some of the times. But what he's saying is love me with all that you are. He loves us with all that he is. God the Father loves you, God the Son loves you, and God the Holy Spirit loves you. God loves you unconditionally. You realize there is nothing, nothing you can do to make him love you more. And there is absolutely nothing you can do to make him love you less. God just loves you because God is love. You see, it's rooted in his character, not in me. That's why God loves me, because of who God is. Not because of who I am. Thank goodness, right? Praise the Lord. This is the best news all night. God loves you faithfully. Every single moment of every day. He loved you this morning. He loved you at lunch. He loved you this evening. He loved you when you drove here. He's going to love you while you sleep. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, he's going to love you faithfully. He is going to love you for all eternity, eternally. You know, eternally means no beginning and no end. There is no beginning. He loved you before you were born. He loved you in the womb. Scripture says that. He made you in the womb. He knew you already. 
And he's going to love you all your earth days. And when you die, he's going to love you for eternity. Hosea shows us God's love. Because of God's love, the hero's love, then we can say with our author, Jennifer, from week one, I am dearly loved, I am accepted, I am complete. Not because of I am, but because of the great I am, right? Because of God. No other reason. Amazing, unbelievable, indescribable, scandalous. There's an old hymn called The Love of God. Who likes poetry in here? One person. Well, you are alone because I do not like it either. And here's why. Because, you know, I look, say what you mean and mean what you say. If I have to read a whole book to figure out what you were trying to say in a poem, yeah, forget it. Not going to happen. I don't like poetry at all. But this hymn comes from an old poem, and you don't need anybody to help you understand these words. But I want you to picture them as I read them to you. This is the love of God, and boy, Oh, this author just got it. Could we with ink the ocean fill? So imagine the whole ocean is ink. And every man a scribe by trade. So all of us, every human on the earth, their job is to be a scribe. Were every stalk on earth a quill? You know, the old writing instruments. This was written way back a long time ago. And, uh, to, and every man ascribe a trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. There wouldn't be any more water in the ocean. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. What a beautiful picture of God's indescribable love. God loves you perfectly, unconditionally, faithfully, and eternally. My response to the love of God is to love him back with all that I am, my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind, and to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus said in Luke 10, do this and you will live. I want to live like I'm loved because I am. You should be living like you're loved because you are. Listen to that song on your way home or tonight or this week. So what now what? On your hand out there, how do I best know God's love for me? That would be your own love language, by the way. But think bigger than that, because remember that God is speaking love and doing love fluently in all of the language to, languages to you. So pay attention and see him in his love for you. How can I be more attentive to all the ways God tells me and shows me his love every day? How am I responding to God's love for me? You can go back through the asterisks on your hand out there the my response sections with the corresponding scriptures on your handout. Am I fluently telling and showing God's love to others? Basically, am I living like I'm loved? Okay, the rest of the story. So on Thursday, April 6th, remember the call came on Saturday, April 8th. On Thursday, April 6th, Ken needed to fly to London. It was going to be a very quick trip. Go on Thursday, come back on Friday night. And I need to t give you one background before we... T so he wanted to get his shoes shined in the airport. He does that frequently when he's there. But he was going to travel in sweats because once he got there, he was going to take a shower and they press his clothes while he's taking a shower and then give him his clothes. He was going to go and he's like, oh, so I guess I'll need to wear my suit. I said, oh my goodness, no. Just put on your sweats. And he goes, with my dress shoes? I said, nobody cares. Who cares? Nobody cares. You're in first class. They really don't care. You're going to take off your dress shoes, put your little slippers on anyway. Nobody cares. 
He's like, yeah, you're right. So he has on his sweats and his dress shoes, and he goes into O'Hare. And he sees this man standing there all along, <clears throat> clearly confused, um, not looking like this is his country even. So Ken stops and asks him, may I help you? Ken said it took him three times to understand the man because his accent was so heavy. But what he understood was he was trying to go home to Nigeria. So Ken's, although Ken was going to London, he was flying American, so he was in Terminal 3. But this man needed to get to Terminal 5. So Ken begins to try to tell him with sign language, you know, go here, get on the train, go. And then something just made Ken think, ask for his ticket. So Ken said, may I see your ticket? So the man hands him his ticket, and Ken looks at it, and he says, you're flying through London. You're on my plane. Come with me. So they proceed on. Now, they get down to where the long line is, and the man's eyes just got huge. And Ken said, no, no, come with me. Now, there is a secret door at O'Hare that if you're not standing there when it opens, you don't even know it's there. It's an entire wall, and it moves back. And there's a little person standing at, looks like they're about to preach or something. And they're paid to know how Ken looks because every time he walks up, they'll say, good afternoon, Mr. O'Brien. And they push a button and the whole wall moves back. And Ken walks in and he says, he's with me. And there's one lady back there. She checks you in. They take your bags. Then you go through another secret door. They push the button. And when you step out there, you're right at the TSA booth. There is no waiting. If they're working with somebody at the time, they have to finish that one. But then they get you next. So Ken says, he's with me. So then they get to the TSA lines. And then Ken goes through a different line than this man does. And Ken you know, just walks on through. And the man starts emptying out his life out of his coat, right? And so Ken leaves. And as Ken's walking away from security, he realizes this man probably doesn't know what to do next. So Ken turns around and walks back to security, and the man is sitting there putting his shoes back on. And he looks up, and he says, you came back, you came back, you came back. And Ken's like, yes, would you, would you like to go find some place to sit, to rest? And the man, yes. So they're walking. Now, Ken needs to get his shoes shined. So he says, would you like to get your shoe shine? And the man, no, 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 no. And Ken's like, no, I, I would like to get your shoe shine. And so the man's like, okay. So he starts to take his shoes off. And Ken's like, no. And he shows him, you sit up in the chair. And the man shines your shoes. So the man steps him in the chair. And although Ken could not understand the language, you could tell very clearly that the man got out his phone and was very giddy telling someone that somebody is <laughs> shining my shoes. So then they step off of that, and they go down to the Admiral's room. And when the, he goes in there, the lady says, Mr. O'Brien, it's so crowded in here today. Why don't you go on down to the other lounge? It's for international first class. And so Ken said, he's with me. So they walk down there. Now, in the Admiral's Club, you know, they have little snacks out all the time. And then food you can, meals you can actually buy. But in this other room, it's a full spread out all the time, a full meal. So Ken walks up and says, would you like something to eat? And the man, no, no, no. And Ken said, no, you can have anything to eat. And Ken needed to get some business done, so he left the man at the table and went and sat down close by. The man could see where he was, and Ken started doing some business. And it wasn't any time at all before here comes the man back 
like dragging a woman by the arm with him who works there, clearly, and her face is just like, what's happening? And Ken looks up and is thinking, oh my goodness, what happened? You know, and, and all the man says is, he paid, he paid, he paid, he paid, he paid. He misunderstood and thought he had to have money. So Ken's like, oh, I'll, he's with me. So he goes back up through the line with the man and they get the food together. So then they sit down and eat. Now it's time to board the plane. So Ken goes to the gate and brings him with him, of course. And again, someone is paid there for when Ken walks up, they say, good afternoon, Mr. O'Brien, are you ready to board the plane? And sometimes he'll say, no, I'll wait a little bit longer. And sometimes he says, yes. So he goes before the military. He goes before people in wheelchairs. He goes before the mamas and the babies. So he goes on, he was ready to board the plane. So he, he says, yes, I am. So he steps forward. And the man stops because there is a wheelchair they're waiting. And Ken says, no, he's with me. So the man comes with Ken. And that whole path down from the gate to the plane, all the man can say is, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Just repeat over and over again. It's all the words he could say. I love you. I am the man. You are the man. We are Alone, lost, we are smelly and dirty, and we need a Savior who will come and walk with us and say, she's with me, who takes care of every need that we have, and more. The shoe shine, right? That's not a need, right? That's the sweetness of Jesus is what that's called. That's what he does for us, every need and more. And he sees us through life. So the man was calling because he had just gotten to Nigeria. Ken had already flown to London, done his business, flown back, driven to Geneva, slept through the night, and it was Saturday. And the man was just calling to say, I'm home and thank you. We are the man. So my prayer for you and for me is on your hand out there for you to meditate on. Ephesians 3, 16 through 20. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide. How long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now our glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Dear God, I love you. I love you. I love you. Amen. You are dismissed into your groups. Thank you. Thank you. It's been so fun to be here with you. I'm sad this is our last time. <laughs>